Oh yeah! Welcome to another episode of Walks with Dad. So, Heart on Fire, and uh, trying to get back in the swing of things here. But missed, uh, I've kind of been missing in action. Uh, and I'm a little bit behind, I want to get caught up. So, I didn't. I didn't do a walks with dad last week because uh, I wrecked my mountain bike and I didn't feel like walking or talking. So, and today you're getting a ride with dad instead of a walks with dad. Uh, just because. So, I read an interview this week about Troy Aikman. And if you guys don't know who Troy Aikman is, you should look him up. But I'll tell you a little bit. So he is the, or he was, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for about 12 years. And he's now a broadcaster for, I don't know, I think it's Monday Night Football, maybe. He's a, he's a NFL broadcaster with Joe Buck. And... <clears throat> He's had, he has a pretty pretty cool story. He was um, a pretty high recruit coming out of high school. And he got a, a bunch of offers to go play pretty much wherever he wanted. He chose to go to Oklahoma. And he got to Oklahoma, and they decided to run the wishbone offense. And if you've seen Aikman play, he's not really the mobile quarterback that it takes to run that wishbone offense, which is based on movement and running. So um, he's playing at Oklahoma. And they're running the wishbone. It's not going well. Uh, and he breaks his leg. So it kind of ends his stint at Oklahoma. And he ends up transferring to UCLA. And this is before you could just transfer and play the next year. He had to wait a year. So he gets to UCLA, uh, becomes a starter for three years. When he was a senior, he won the O'Brien Award, which is, uh, I think, the best offensive player in the nation. And he gets drafted at number one by the Dallas Cowboys, which is all pretty cool until you figure out that the team with the number one draft pick usually is the worst team in the league, which they were. So... Troy's uh, rookie season, they go 0 for 11, and he just gets pummeled. And his offensive line is terrible. They haven't put the pieces together yet to have uh, a great team like they had in the 90s. So uh, he goes on to have this great career in the NFL. They win three Super Bowls. Uh, he's a Super Bowl MVP. I think he's a league MVP. Uh, he is known as the most accurate passer in football. And I think what he's what he is most known for is that uh, he really did put the team first. I think you see a lot of guys saying, "Yeah, I'm here to win," but the underlying message to that is I'm here to win as long as I put up big numbers and look good. 
And he actually sacrificed big stats to win. And that's why uh, if you if you watch them play or if you look it up, I mean, Emmett Smith was the running back. And he has, uh, you know, he's I think he's the all-time leading rusher in the NFL. And that was with Troy. And so uh, all-around uh, pretty good guy and all-around great athlete and uh, just a really good team player. And uh, at the end, in the middle of this interview, somebody asked him, said, hey, I've interviewed, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, John Elway, Joe Montana, and, and you all have different personalities. But what's the common denominator of why you guys are all so successful? And without even thinking, he said, it's because we outwork everyone. And that hit me, that, that stuck with me a little bit. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, I, I hopefully have been teaching you that you got to work hard. And it probably looks different. It does look different. It looks different for all of you. Your work hard looks different than somebody else's work hard. But there's not a shortcut there. And you can see, if you look at quarterbacks in the NFL, or if you look at 95% of the players in the NBA, or if you look at, um, you know, the really good guys on the golf tour, or... You know, 95% of Major League Baseball have got there and are doing just enough to stay there. And the, the 5 or 10% that make the headlines every week are the guys that are like the Sean Casey we talked about um, a, few ex, a few episodes ago. That uh, wherever he went was batting practice every day, batting practice. And these guys, the, the Bradys, the Mannings, Mont, Joe Montana, Aikman, I mean, they, they put in all the extra work so that they were prepared for any situation. So physically, they're prepared to play extra football if there's if we got to go into overtime. Mentally, they're prepared to know all the coverages, all the blitzes, all the plays. Uh, they're ready to audible to a different play. At, at a moment's notice and uh, it kind of it does set them apart from the other 90% of guys in the league who are just happy to be there and collecting a check uh, and I, I want you guys to think about that what you're doing in your life uh, where where you're collecting a check and where you could be doing the extra work uh, to get ahead and whatever that looks like for you great uh, but but where where are you just collecting a check I thought that was a really good metaphor for uh, I've got to where I would like to be and I'm gonna do whatever I got to do to stay here but I'm not gonna really be you know the best of the best because I'm happy where I'm at and I guess if that's where you want to live life that's okay but that's not really what you're here for think you're here to be great and we've talked about that we've talked about the path to excellence and that's not that's not on the path so um and then a little bit later in the interview they're talking about um being a broadcaster and they asked him you know have you uh, 
since you played football and you, you've been in the huddle and you know you've been on all the meetings and you've done everything for your whole career, is it easy to just to, to jump in and do broadcasting and talk about football? And he said, well, uh, maybe for some people, but I prepare as hard or if not harder for broadcasting than I did when I was playing quarterback because anything can happen. And you never know, you know, what, what's going to happen in between plays or from play to play. And one of the examples he used was, um, it was, I think it was Monday night football and he and Joe Buck were calling the DeMar Hamlin game. And if you don't know that DeMar Hamlin is the guy that collapsed on the field and they had to do CPR on him for what seemed like eternity on TV. Um, and, they, they canceled the game, but basically Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman were, were just kind of in no man's land. There's no script. There's no uh, direction. They didn't know how long they were going to be on the air. They didn't know how, if the game was going to go on, uh, but they had, to fill, they had to fill the air with commentary. And it turned into uh, news reporting instead of sports reporting. And, uh, I mean, you could imagine get, being ready to, to call a game and talking about, you know, what's happening during the game and the plays and, you know, coverages and being, being the color guy. And then all of a sudden you have to um, be a reporter on something horrific that's happened on the field. And, and basically you've got the nation watching you being unprepared. Uh, because you never know what's going to happen. So uh, his his part of the reason he works so hard is because for of situations just like that. And if you look at what you're doing, whatever you're doing, whether you're, I mean, one of us is uh, headed to Syria, you know, and I know that there's been huge preparations going on. Uh, to make sure that there's not panic in a situation you haven't trained for. Um, you know, one of your brothers runs out on the field when people are hurt. Uh, and, and you never know what you're going to see when you get there. So you've got to be able to have to do the work to be confident and prepared for the unknown. So... I thought that was really uh, profound and really a good example of why you got to do the work when no one's watching. So uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about this week. Uh, we'll try to get back in the rhythm of things and get caught up. I'd like to do, you know, 52 of these this year. And uh, hopefully... You won't get tired of listening to him or if you do great they'll be around for somebody else so uh i do have a really good dad joke for for you since it's uh 700 degrees everywhere i thought uh, would have a snowman joke so how do you tell a snowman from a snow woman i don't know how do you tell a snowman from a snow woman it's easy. Snowballs. 
ah, they just, uh, there's no end to the greatness of dad jokes. So, uh, same rules as always. Uh, I love you. And no matter what. Even when I don't like you, I love you. Uh, you can't change that. And if you know somebody that needs to hear that or just needs a good dad joke, share the show. And if you want to be on my super famous award-winning podcast, I'll be around next Tuesday. Love you guys. Have a great week.